Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, I'm delighted to welcome Lorna Lawless, the coaching psychologist at Next Level Coaching. Lorna, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me, Ryan. Yeah, chuffed to have you. Uh, Typical fashion of this podcast is we go back right to the beginning, early influences, and then work our way through kind of challenges, pivotal moments, and lots of value throughout. So let's do no different here. Uh, You grew up in Dublin. What were your early childhood days like growing in Dublin? Any fond favorite memories? Um, yeah, fun favorite memories of Marley Park. I grew up in Rathfarnham, uh, but I was quite young, I suppose, when we moved to Kildare. And my childhood memories of moving down to Kildare at first was like, I mean, it was like moving to the back beyonds for me, you know, uh, it was only little, but there was, you know, the, the carrot, no pun intended of we, myself and my sister got to get a pony. <laughs> nice <laughs> that's pretty cool i'd trade yeah. that that was good uh, that was the one thing mom and dad were like oh you know if, if we can we could maybe look at it because it was never ever going to be a possibility in rat farnham yeah so uh, i suppose that we just kind of it, it it changed the direction from being a suburban city kid to all of a sudden a country person and my um my parents have no background with horses or anything so from a very young age, it, I don't know if you have horses or any of your listeners, but you know, they're, they're fairly full on. It's not like having a dog that you just have to walk once a day or, for, you know. So from a young age, it was a lot of responsibility um, straight off. But I, I, I do feel that kind of forged a, a hardworking mindset as well. You know, um, you'd be up early before school mucking out feeding the horses riding out whatever and the same then on weekends you know you didn't go you didn't get to go to sleepovers or stuff like that with your friends because you had to be home you know my mom wasn't going out feeding the horse or and you know yeah um, so yeah I, I, I do think it's uh, yeah it solidified it from a from a very young age it was good I actually grew up next to a horse racing track fairy house I'm on the outskirts oh, of Dublin yeah. in Ritoth yeah. uh our school secondary school wasn't built at the time so the first year I spent uh at school on a race course so like English class was like the bar but P was used to run a lap of the race course I'll never forget that every like Tuesday we had to go out and run a lap which was torture um yeah. early days sticking with early days early uh young Lorna uh, who do you think had the biggest impact on you or influenced you the most while you were growing up I would have to say my my family, you know, my folks. We are lucky we're a, a close-knit family. Hmm. Dad never really, um, oh, not that he would be, he, he never shied away from making your work, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, my, my dad is uh, self-employed. He's a heating engineer and plumbing business. From the age of 14, I was brought to work with him on summer holidays you know there was no sitting around uh for the summer i was only thinking of it now my nephew was just after getting his summer holidays from school 
And I was thinking, oh, Jesus. I Are was, you going to bring him out to the farm to take care of the horses? <laughs> I was put in the van, you know, the next Monday. Uh, but again, yeah. really good. It, it instilled a lot and um, a hard working ethic. And as I suppose, you know, as I said, that kind of translated going on then um, as an influence now because my dad always encouraged me to work for myself and, you know, he said, if you can, when you can set up your own thing and, and be, you know, be self-motivated, be self-driven in that matter. And, and also, you know, there was no, there was no jobs that were, oh, you're a girl, you can't do it, you mm. know? Yeah, it was plumbing, <laughs> but you were brought, you were bought the Snickers and the boots and the boots might've been two sizes too big for you. But, uh, so yeah, nice. my, my, my dad had a, a very heavy um, influence on me in, in terms of my, my work ethic and the mindset that I have today. Sounds like you were brought up by a good set of parents. Yes, absolutely. Last. Psychology was something that you studied. Where did the interest come in psychology? Was it something you put down on your CAO? Yes. Yeah. I just always had an interest in people and listening and speaking. And I do think it's, you know, it's a natural strength that I have as a communicator or a listener, but doubled up with it, I, I do enjoy it, you know, so um, I, yeah, always had it, I never really kind of thought that I would get the points or anything like that, you know, to to study it, so it was kind of a, a hope and a wish, but I, I, I did, and I loved it with the degree, I obviously did it with the Open University, so I worked full-time, um, which came with its own challenges. I felt I probably didn't throw myself into my, my uh, BSc as much as I did the master's. The master's was a totally different experience because I gave up work for the year and I moved down to Cork and I got to do the whole actually being in, in a brick university uh, with classmates around you all the time and you know like-minded people. But the interest in psychology I suppose, yeah, it just comes from a kind of a, a natural strength that I managed to to carve into a career. A couple of things I know about you from doing some research. You've been to places like New York. I don't know if you are or not a dog on. You've yeah. gone to gigs like Kings of Leon at Slain. So I'm <laughs> curious to know what's one thing you're into or curious about that not a lot of people would know about you. Wow. Okay. So something that not a lot of people would know. I play the violin. Nice. Yeah, um, not extremely well, but proficient enough. Uh, but it's something that I, yeah, definitely not many people would know. I got a in a violin. I inherited a violin from my grandmother. And did she play few, as well? Obviously, she did. Uh, it's the only I think asset she had going into her her married life was her violin. Someone at some point it wasn't her, um, obviously, but someone has scratched into the back of it. May eighteen eighty six. So it's, wow. uh, it's a very old instrument and I'm very lucky to for it to have been passed on to me. But yeah, I suppose that's something that not many people would know. Other interests you would know just from a quick, uh, you know, I, I love jujitsu and I've started kind of developing more into that side of it. But um, there's, yeah, in terms of things that people wouldn't know, that's probably a good one. <laughs> you, 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 you said that, psychology was something you put on your CAO so it's obviously been an interest for a while but yeah her jobs 
Frank Keane, BMW, online editor for books.ie. Um, mm. Did those jobs, did you take any lessons from those jobs, potentially human behavior um, that you can use in your current role? Absolutely. Everything. And I, I do. I often kind of thought, you know, in my early 20s, I, I sometimes regretted not doing college full time from the start. But now uh, I really, really appreciate all the lessons that I learned from the variety and of, of work that I did whilst financing my degree, really. Um, I loved the uh, from the online books uh, with irishbooks.ie uh, shout out to Alistair who I'm still in touch with and um, I learned so much there that would have been the first kind of online platform and kind of learning to navigate websites and also develop customer relation you know like account relationships and stuff like that so that was really beneficial for me it was that next step up out of just retail work you know that you would have done in, in your late teens and mm. um, and then with Frankie BMW, just, I mean, a wealth of knowledge there when it comes to working with a global brand and their, you know, customer services and how, you know, how, how to deal with a certain level of, of customers, if you know what I mean? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Now your gig is next level coaching. Yeah. Talk to me. What is it? What is it that you do? What is the business? So it's my own coaching practice. It's just me, myself and I. I set it up in 2016 or 2017. It, I do one to one coaching. I do group coaching and I also do a good bit of associate work with other coaching companies uh, around Dublin and the UK. Amazing. One of the things you've talked about in some of the videos I've watched is, and that caught my attention, which is why I'm asking it first, is flow states. Yes. And that in flow states, three things can happen. I could pronounce these wrong, but uh, neuroanatomy, neurochemistry, and neuroelectrical waves. Yeah, correct. For anyone like me who has no clue what that means, can you explain <laughs> what first the flow state is yeah. and then those three things that happen? Yeah, for sure. So I became interested in flow states. They were, it was the main focus of my research thesis for my master's degree. So I researched MMA athletes experiences of flow states. The reason why I was interested in it was I was doing a master's degree in positive and coaching psychology. So when we're in a flow state where it's, your listeners might also know it as being in the zone or the runner's high, mm. um, there it's just that moment when you're completely focused on what you're doing and we perform at our best so it was a natural kind of area for me to be interested in when it comes to performance psychology or coaching and um, so when we are in a flow state as you mentioned uh, three kind of major changes happen a, a lot happens really but from a, a neurochemical perspective when we're in this moment of deep absorption and, and kind of engagement in the task at hand, we have certain neurochemicals that show up. So there's a combination of five, we have serotonin and andamides and dorphins, norepinephrine, and one more that will come to me now in a minute. But uh, these are all performance enhancing neurochemicals and they're actually, you know, replicas of some popular 
street drugs, if you know what I mean. And <laughs> um, so yeah. <laughs> we know that these all would would drive attention and, and focus into the here and now and they make us feel good. There's a there's a hedonic, pleasurable feeling that comes with them. So when our brain is naturally producing these chemicals purely due to the, the activity that you're doing, it becomes quite an addictive state, quite a feel good uh, as I said, hedonic state that we kind of tend to seek again and again and again once we have experienced it. So that's the neurochemical. From the neuroanatomical point of view, that's just different parts of your brain that are active uh, or engaged. So we used to think that it would have been you know the old adage of you're firing on all cylinders. So we would have thought when we're in this peak performance state of mind that there's loads of different things happening at once, but what research actually shows in the fMRI, which is functional magnetic resonance imaging, uh, which are the lovely, you know, the images of the brain and we can see where the different blood flow is going. So therefore we know what areas of the brain are engaged. Um, we know that they're actually the prefrontal cortex, which is this big area across the, you know, behind your forehead. It is responsible for a lot of higher executive cognitive functioning so you're thinking and you know uh, forward kind of planning all this time is uh, calculated across your prefrontal cortex so it actually begins to shut down when we're in a flow state because basically our brain is like a big energy hog right it's only like mm -hmm. three pounds but it takes up 20 percent of our body's energy so it's always looking for ways to conserve energy so the, your prefrontal cortex shuts down simply because your brain is trying to focus on what you're doing. So it doesn't have time to be thinking about everything else. Um, but when, when that begins to shut down, that's why time is perceived differently when we're in a flow state. So sometimes it speeds up, sometimes yeah. it slows down. Um, there, so that, that's kind of from a, the neuroanatomical point of the, the different areas and why it feels like a different consciousness, a different state of mind. And then finally, our uh, neuroelectrical changes happen. So we go from this, like our waking state to we actually drop down at the electrical waves in our brain drop down to almost like a daydream state. So again, it's a little bit paradoxical because you would think you're firing on all cylinders, but in reality, your brain is doing a lot to to work at just putting all its energy into focusing at one task. So as a result, we see these changes. You work closely in MMA. Have you ever had anyone say to you, and this is just a wild guess, that they can almost kind of see a shot land before they yeah. see a shot land as a result of being in that flow state? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Extremely, well. common. Extremely common. Nearly see them happening before mm. the shot has even been thrown yeah when you're they're just in that moment that and it you know there was a lot of re interesting research that kind of came or interesting points that came out of that research in terms of like when you watch an MMA fight you'll often see coaches or corner people on the side and they're shouting instructions and all this but if, if that fighter is in a flow state chances are they, they don't hear anything you know because they're just so clearly focused at, at what they have now the more professional you get the more used to it you are the less your brain has to give it all you know it's all so i'm sure those guys are are used to hearing their advice from the corner being shouted out but particularly it's it's a it's worth noting for amateur or, or novice fighters 
That makes sense because uh, I want to touch on fighting for a second, but I have a friend who's a professional swimmer. Well, he's retired now, but he was he represented Ireland in the Paralympics and got a bronze. And he I went to all his events and he said, I said, what's it like when you come out on, get on the, the thing to jump into the, the pool and you hear all the crowd and he says, I can't hear anything. All I'm concentrating on is getting to the yeah. thing to jump off and I can't hear any noise. I don't notice anything when I'm like, that's yeah. that's a lie because there's so much noise going on. It's deafening. But he says no, yeah. I don't pay attention to any of that, which is uh, a yeah. strange. I, I'm I'm obsessed with um, MMA. Watching it uh, every weekend. Big fan of the UFC. A lot of the Irish fighters: Kiefer Crosby, James Gallagher, uh, Keane, all those guys. Um, uh, and I love seeing them succeed. You've worked closely with the best out there, John Kavanagh, on his Wimp to Warrior program. Um, uh, can you tell anyone uh, who's not familiar with Victoria what it is? And then are there any moments throughout working with people on that program uh, that blew you away, kind of standout stories that you can openly talk about? Yes, I can openly talk. Obviously, I cannot allude to who. It you can't say names, but you can <laughs> show what impressed you. So, yeah. OK, so first off, for your listeners, Wimp to Warrior is a transformational mixed martial arts based program. So it is 20 weeks long. You train five days a week. It is intensive. But at the end of it, you have the option of competing in an amateur bout. So you actually get to make that walk to the cage. And it is in in the sense of like an opportunity, it is fairly outstanding, as you know, most amateur fighters will be at least two years training before they make that walk or they book a fight, you know, on, on a fight night. So to do it within six months is it's quite an an achievement. The stories that come off Wimped Warrior are like I could sit here all day, Rian, and mm-hmm. tell you about the transformations that I have seen either working with people from the get go and, you know, across the kind of 20 weeks. Really, it's it's I mean, the physical transformations are outstanding. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. People are in the best shape of their life, as you would be getting up to train at six in the morning, five days a week for an hour. Uh, an hour and a half and then on top of that because it's again as I said the flow states it becomes quite addictive people want to do more and anyway so it's quite intensive physical training but the the mental changes that take place are outstanding people's confidence just soar because you're putting yourself consistently in uncomfortable situations and stepping outside of your comfort zone um I have seen people, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to think now of an actual story that wouldn't kind of allude or give away any like personal details. Well, no, you, you, you said there I'm that sure. you've seen people... Just, just hypothetically, you know, people... I was just going to say, you've said you've seen people change physically in shape. That itself is, 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 is amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think um, last year's Wimped Warrior on total, they like the group of 60 or something, they lost about 100 kilos between them, a bit more. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. There's huge, huge transformations. Um, But as I said, it's what happens upstairs. That's the the big, it really impresses me, you know. And Mm. when I began coaching on it, what kind of drew me in was this like consistent journey so far like where people could really see a difference between themselves 
you know, between six months ago and who they are today. Not a lot of us can say that. Not that we can't say it. I mean, we're always, always grown, but, but it's not, we don't always have this. Am I gone all funny again? No, 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 no I'm still there. It came up unstable for me. But it, it comes up, sorry, I'll just start that reply again. Um, the physical transformations are very impressive, but it, it is the mental ones that impress me more and I think are longer lasting. So there's very few things in life where we can say, right, from today, until six months down the line, I will be a different person physically mm. and mentally. I, I will, you know, I, there are so many areas that I'm going to grow in. I may not recognize myself or the person who first walked through that door. So, and um, it was true Wimps Warrior. Then I was really kind of impressed with this. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool if we could measure the, uh, you know, the mental changes that take place as much as we can measure the physical ones and said, we know, oh, you've lost so many kilos or inches or you can lift 20 kilos now, whereas when you started, you could only lift 10, whatever it is. There's, it, it's easy to measure physical improvements. It's not so easy to measure what you can't see. So the invisible, your, your mental changes. Hmm. So it was through that that I became um, a qualified assessor in the, the mental toughness, the uh, suites of psychometrics, so MTQs. And that's now the main focus of, of my practice is uh, amazing. Yeah. So, so something else you've, you've spoken about in the past before, and it stood out to me was that personality traits are plastic. 50% yeah. of them are genetic. Yeah. Uh, what I hear is that there's a potential to teach old dog new tricks. Absolutely. Absolutely. So our, our brains have this wonderful ability to remold and reshape themselves as time goes on, depending on, what you're asking of it you know so with with intentional effort we can our our brains will physically change much like a, a, a muscle you know i always kind of compare it to a bicep or abs whatever it is that mm. you're looking for the more you train it the stronger it becomes so for instance you you could have neural path this even comes down to your thinking style and and our mindset so you could spend your whole and you could Okay, let's say you are, as we said, 50% is what you're born with, right? To mm -hmm. me, you're, you're either an optimist where that's glass half empty or glass half full. But to me, that's 50% that you are left with then, and that is of your, your choosing. So yes, some people are born naturally more mentally tough. So they will have natural higher levels of confidence. They might be naturally good at sticking to their goals or they enjoy taking on a challenge you know, and all of these aspects of mental toughness might come to them. But it doesn't mean that if you're not born with it, if you are born a little bit shyer than the rest in, in, in groups or more comfortable in your comfort zone than stepping outside of it or not great at sticking to your plans, it doesn't mean that it's not, that you can't develop these skills. You absolutely can. And we've proven time and time again that they're very coachable. The first step is to become self-aware of where you're at. So, mm. What's your favorite aspect of what you do? Seeing the changes in people. Having that first conversation with someone and they're being really hard on themselves and saying, I can't do it and I'm stuck and, you know, I don't know what to do next. And just throughout the process of 
a few conversations and trying to help people switch up this negative mindset. Like so many of us re-engage in daily self-talk where we absolutely berate ourselves and put ourselves down and we're either not aware that we're doing it or we're not aware of the fact that we can stop doing it. And I, I am of the personal opinion, if you are saying anything to yourself that you wouldn't say to somebody else, try, try your best to stop saying it because it's going to have a huge impact. We don't realize, I think, the weight of the words that we say to ourselves. Yeah, also potentially worth looking at. Uh, and counseling is not a bad word. Like I know so many of my close business friends, including myself, that would go to it weekly to to and neither of us, none of us are in a depressive state but to keep on top of ourselves so we can be the best version of ourselves so if that's entering your head look at it and find someone out there that you could potentially work with but there's there's lots of research out there that suggests that on average nowadays i think the research was in the year 2020 that humans in the western world will see somewhere between 6,000 to 10,000 adverts daily that's a lot of adverts to look at daily um I don't know if this is in your realm, so I'm happy to move on if it's not, but if I was to say, how could we improve our focus and intention, taking the fact that there's so many things trying to distract us, like the 10,000 ads daily, what would you say back to me? So our focus and it, yeah, okay, this is a, it's not really my realm, but I'll, I'll give it a crack. And <laughs> um, as I said, it is, where our, our attention goes is where our energy flows, if that makes sense. And I know, as you're saying, there's so many things that pull our attention and pull our energy in, in different directions. There's not many things we can do about that, but we can become aware of our own behaviors. So, for example, if you find that you're being distracted from a project that you want to accomplish, I'll use a proposal or something, right, that you need to get in but you find that you're not doing it and it's weeks and weeks and weeks have passed. And instead of like blaming the advertisements there, see, this is where self-control comes in and self-awareness. So I do think if, if you find that you're being distracted to the extent where you're not getting your own stuff done, then you need to look at changing something. So like where, think about it, where are you going to get most of those advertisements? Where are you going to see them? Of your phone. On your phone. So what can you do? Stay away from your phone or limit your phone to certain hours, yeah. There's simple things that like, we're not always at the mercy of our environment. We can begin to control. control yeah, yeah. And there's so many simple things that we can do. Like technology, I know, yes, it bombards us with stuff, but there is also little steps in there that are there to protect you. You know, you, you can get an ad up, a pop-up ad blocker. Uh, if you're working on a proposal, shut down your emails, don't have social media going. Um, if you wanna listen to music in the background, have your Spotify app, you know, don't have YouTube on. Anything that you know is heavily dense with, with ads or anything that's gonna pull your distraction or your attention away and distract you. Um, you have the power to shut that down. I often think about this as well, people who are having, um, you know, toxic social media times. I'm like, just 
like block that person or mute them or you know the amount yeah. of friends that I have and they're they'd be plagued they seen this maybe it's with an ex-partner or it's someone from work or what, whatever it is I'm just like you know there is a button there like that you do have the power to hit that button and um, to unfollow or mute or whatever it is that's upsetting you or taking your mental space away disturbing you mentally right whether it's um yeah whether it's in your personal life or work in the sense that you're feeling distracted or you're not as focused or concentrated, remember that there is a lot there that we have the power to do. We just don't always act on them. I like that. If restrictions didn't exist and you could travel anywhere in the world right now, where would you go to? It would have to be to see my sister in New Zealand. Well, long flight, but beautiful place. Long flight, very beautiful place. Yeah, um, I was supposed to go May last year. I had my ticket booked and everything. Um, I've been over to her twice now. But uh, yeah, absolutely. She'd kill me if I said I'd go anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the question? Oh, yeah, uh, investing in yourself. Any books, podcasts, mentors you go to yeah. to continually upskill and invest in yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Mel Robbins is my number one. Yeah. Um, if you're familiar with her or your mm-hmm. your, uh, your people listening she has an excellent TED talk called the five second rule she has a book corresponding to it and I just find her amazing she's a really big influence on me and her message is simple it's to the point it's positive and so yeah I would highly recommend that if, if any of your listeners are looking for someone to follow she's got loads of stuff on audible um as well which is great and along with her books one of the questions i ask guests at the end of the podcast is if your house was burning down all your loved ones to save you could save one item and one item only what would that be i feel like your answer would probably be the violin yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) (laughs) so my final question to you is i'd like you to imagine we're now in the year 2030 talking to one another Okay. And you're looking back on the past decade, answer this professionally or personally, or a combination of both. What would you like to be looking back on, pretending that now is the year 2030 and you're looking back on the last decade? There's so much already. Um, I would like to be looking back on the journey of, this is the true nerd in me now, but um, my PhD, I'm really looking forward to starting that hopefully this year and uh, and finishing it as well so that would, could take me 10 well, years three and you never know <laughs> it, it, it will be an achievement when you get it yeah, yeah. you've already achieved you've already achieved a lot in in your life so um yeah from from my end i've thoroughly enjoyed spending the last 30 minutes chatting to you yeah me um, too. and uh, i wish you nothing but the best going forward thank you very much Rian. i've loved chatting with you if your metro don't trust you, I'm gonna shoot you. Beautiful morning, you're the sun of my morning, baby. Nothing in the world.